Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, good morning, Emmanuel Church. How are you feeling today? It is truly a joy to be with you here today. And before I get started, I just want to welcome all of our first-time guests at all of our different locations. Can we give it up for all of our first-time guests today? Whether you're joining us online at one of our e-microsites or one of our low campuses, we want to say uh, welcome to you. Thank you for accepting our, someone's invitation to join in or tune in online. And for the rest of you who are not brand new, hey, welcome back. Great to see you. You look great. Uh, we're in a series right now called Good Bones. And uh, right, what we said in this series is that in the same way an investor would, uh, would look at a piece of property or someone's looking at a piece of property uh, to try to buy it or maybe rehab it or, you know, put some money into it in the same way that they look for good bones, like good roof, good walls, good floor, good plumbing, in the same way that they make those decisions based on what's good in the house. Like we need to have some good bones in our relationships. In other words, we need to have some, some really solid things moving forward in our relationships. And what we said last week or two weeks ago was that the first piece of good bones uh, in, or, or principle in a relationship is commitment. We talked about commitment, how commitment is the foundation. It's kind of like the, uh, the, the cinder blocks or the cement of every good relationship. What am I talking about? Loyalty and sacrifice and truth-telling. That was in week one. And then last week, Pastor Aaron Beasley talked about the walls of, of a relationship. You've got to have good walls in a house, right? And he talked about how the walls are trust. And trust is difficult because of hypocrisy and past hurts. And if you struggle with trust in your relationships and you missed last week, man, go back and check that out. Pastor Aaron did a great job. Did he do a good job? Can we give it up for Pastor Aaron? Thank you, God. Thank you, Pastor Aaron. And so really what we're trying to do is look at what are the essentials to a really healthy relationship because the quality of our life really is determined by the quality of our relationships. And so if we want to have a really good life, we want to have the life that God has, has designed for us, we really need to work on the quality of our relationships. And so what I want to talk to you about today is kind of this third, you know, essential quality of a good bones relationship, and that is really good bowel movements. <laughs> no, 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 not that, not that, that's just, no, sorry about that, that's just me being a middle school kid, sorry. Um, <laughs> but there's a toilet up here because I was trying to think of like what, what piece of equipment would best demonstrate, you know, really good plumbing in a house. And I thought, you know, I could, I could hold a pipe or, you know, something like that, but nothing speaks good plumbing better than some good toilets. Amen. I mean, if you've ever had a toilet back up, you know what I'm talking about. You need to have some really good toilets. I like the toilets that have that button on there that, that just flushes it. Like there's this like vacuum, like, and it's gone. Anybody else like those? I don't like the ones that circle and circle. And you're kind of wondering, I got to go down. 
I don't like that. I, like, I, want, I just want that baby to be sucked into another universe. You know what I'm saying? And okay, we're having some fun, but it's really important to have some good plumbing in your house. And in fact, when investors are looking at a house and they see that there's pipes broken or some, you know, there's been a pipe broken before or the toilets don't work, man, they kind of back out and they say, man, that's going to be very expensive to fix. I was trying to think about like, what is the plumbing in the context of a relationship? And, and the answer is very, very easy. It's communication. Communication keeps everything flowing in a relationship. Information, feelings, emotions, and it also gets rid of the waste out of a relationship. I wrote it like this in your notes. If you have the digital app there, if you got a handout, a relationship with good bones has healthy communication. That's what I want to talk to you about today. Now, before we get into what healthy communication is, let's just talk about what communication is by itself. Communication is simply the transfer of ideas, communicating ideas, talking about the way you feel and sharing information and then also receiving information. It's listening, it's talking, it's listening. I love this topic of communication. I studied it in college. In fact, my my degree is in communications with a specialization in public speaking. That's what I went to school for. Didn't know I would use it as a pastor, but I love this concept of communication. I've studied it. I've looked at it. I've wrestled with it. A lot of people think communication is narrowed down to words, and words are a huge part of communication. We're going to talk about words today, but there's other things that actually convey information better than words. What am I talking about? I'm talking about body language. Body language. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone and their body language, like they're there physically, but their body language is saying that they're not there at all and then they're not listening, right? Maybe it's their eyes. Their eyes are looking at something else like a phone or something like that and you're trying to talk to them. Or maybe they position themselves to the, you know, they're kind of shifted away from you and their body language is, they haven't said anything with their mouth, but their body language is saying, I'm checked out. I'm not listening. Sometimes, sometimes uh, Jackie and I will be in a conversation and, and, and I'm, I don't like the conversation and I'm not excited about it, so, so I'll just kind of drift into another room. <laughs> I don't say anything, but I just kind of walk away. And then if she says something, it's like, oh, I just had to get my toothbrush or something like that. You know, I had to get a sock or, you know, but really I just don't want to be in the room. Like, and she, she feels it. So I, so, so, so I have to be really careful with that. Like, hey, I'm about to leave the room and I'm leaving because I need to get the, my shoe or something like that. Because otherwise it communicates that I'm not listening and I don't care. Body language, tone of voice is huge when you're talking. Have you ever been in a situation where, 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 you, where you say something and you think it's good, but the way that you said it communicates something else? Yes or no? Have you ever heard, been talked to that way? Like someone's trying to say something, but because of their tone, they're saying something different and it's hurtful or, or, it's, or it's confusing. Like there's tone of voice, there's words, there's body language. What people don't realize about communication is that it's actually a skill. It's a lot like hitting a curveball or putting a golf ball or playing the violin or learning the piano or learning to shoot a jump shot. Like communication is a learned skill and you can do it really, really well and some people do and they knock it out. And We love those types of people and we listen to those types of people and then some people communicate really poorly. And they struggle. They struggle to talk about their feelings and their emotions. They struggle to get their ideas out in a clear way. And, and, and some of you are married to one of these people. <laughs> and you're like, I'm so glad he's here. I wish he was here or her. <laughs> Why does it always have to be a he? 
Because we, because guys tend to struggle with this more than girls. Girls, anyway. <clears throat> but communication is a skill. And you have to learn if you want to do it well. If you want your relationships to go well, if you want the plumbing of your life, the relationships to flow, you've got to get really good at the skill of communication. I know that this is not a marriage series, but marriage is the key relationship for many of us. And some of you are not married. You're going to be married in the future. Um, this book, I love this book. I'm, I'm, I'm not all the way through it yet, but I've read uh, lots of it. It's The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work by Dr. John Gottman. He obviously focuses in on this, the marriage relationship, and he talks about the six predictors of divorce. In fact, he says in the book that he can spend 15 minutes with a couple, and within that 15 minutes, he can predict whether or not they're going to get divorced or stay together. And among the six predictors, four of them have to do with communication. The first one is he calls the harsh startup. The harsh startup. That's the first interaction that a husband and wife have in the day. If it's negative and if there's accusation, things aren't going to work out. The, the harsh startup. Then he talks about this idea of criticism. If one spouse is always criticizing and then the other spouse returns that criticism and they're always on each other, he said that's a huge predictor of divorce. Another one is stonewalling, where one, one spouse feels so overwhelmed emotionally by the negativity and the criticism, they just go cold and they give the cold treatment. He calls it stonewalling, and they stop communicating. Four out of the six predictors of divorce have to do with poor communication skills. I didn't know this. I couldn't believe this, but... I, I, I still can't believe I didn't know this. Uh, it shocks me. I'm a huge Michael Jordan fan. Uh, some of you know uh, that LeBron just broke the scoring record. It means nothing. <laughs> we could talk about it after service, but it, it really it means nothing. Um, but apparently about 10 years ago, Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley were good buddies and Charles got this job on television, and you know, Charles likes to spout off. And I actually like a lot of the things that Charles says. He's a little bit rough. But he started talking about Michael Jordan live on television. And he said, essentially, this is the gist of what he said. He said, yeah, Michael Jordan's not gonna be very successful with the Charlotte Hornets or Bobcats, or I don't know what they're called these days. They don't win very much. <laughs> but He's not going to be very successful with the Charlotte Hornets because uh, he surrounds himself with too many of his friends. And his friends don't tell him the truth. And so he's not really making good decisions. And so therefore, he's not going to be very successful because he surrounds himself with a bunch of yes men. He said that publicly on television. Now, they're buddies. Like, they're good friends. Well, Michael Jordan calls him up and just gives him the business. And Barkley says the conversation was not pleasant. Since that phone call, Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley, 10 years ago, have not spoken. Barkley said they've been in the same room five times in the past 10 years, and even though they were in the same room, they did not say a word to each other. Criticism cuts deep. Powerful. Doesn't matter if you have a billion dollars or if you're just the average Joe like me and you. People are people. Words hurt. Now, what should Barkley have done? By the way, I happen to agree with Barkley's assessment. <laughs> he 
he just shouldn't have done it publicly. Well, you got a buddy, you go to him and you say, hey, here's what I'm thinking, you know. And you say that privately. Here's what the Bible says, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. The words of the reckless, Barclay was reckless. Just said whatever he wanted to say. That's the way he rolls, that's his MO. There's a price for that though. It pierces like a sword in the heart and it hurts and it's painful. But on the other hand, the tongue of the wise does what? It brings healing. In other words, I can learn how, 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 to, how to communicate well. I can, I can be less reckless and I can be, become more wise. Like I can talk in such a way that, that actually is, is free of criticism or, or there's, there's, there's not as many accusations or there's not as many heart, harsh words. Or I can, I can get better and better and better as a communicator. And so can you. So if we were to put a target on the wall, like, okay, what does healthy communication look like? Now that we know that what communication is, and it's really difficult, it's challenging, what's the target? What are we shooting for? Years ago, when I was reading through the Bible, and I do that every single year, I'm in, doing it again this year, I'm in the book of Leviticus. Anybody else with me? This is usually when people give up. You make it to Leviticus, and some people make it to Numbers, and then give up in Numbers. But anyway, um, I'm pushing through, right? One year I was reading through, and I came across Ephesians chapter 4, and I love Ephesians. It's a great book, and I just felt like God spoke to me and said, this is, this is for you. This is for your mouth. Listen to this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. When you talk, when you speak to your friends, to your wife, to whoever, let it be helpful to build others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who are listening. It's like the Holy Spirit said to me, here's the parameters, here's the target, here's the purpose of your tongue, here's why I gave you a mouth to talk, to help and build and encourage and to meet the needs of people. I was like, okay. So I stopped cussing that day. It was like 20 years ago. And I didn't have a huge problem with profanity, but you know, you know, F this, that, you know, locker room talk, dudes, whatever. I stopped. I haven't used the F word in 20, over 20 years or the S word or the whatever word, blah, 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 blah. And it blows my mind that, that so many Christians, they just, they just say this stuff like it's nothing. Profanity or unwholesome talk. God says, not, not for you, not for your tongue, not for your mouth. Only use words that build others up and encourage and meet needs. So that's the target. That's what healthy communication looks like inside the, any relationship. How do we get there? How do we get here? That's what I want to talk to you about today. This is the plumbing. This is what gets all the waste out of the house. This is what gets all the water into the sinks and the faucets so that you can stay alive. <laughs> How do we do it? Well, healthy communication requires, first of all, a healthy heart, a healthy heart. Not your physical heart. You should, you should work on that. You should work on that. I should work on that, right? Keep our arteries clear. But I'm talking about your spiritual heart. I'm talking about your soul. In the book of Matthew, Jesus was, uh, he healed this dude of, of uh, he actually cast a demon out of this guy. And everybody was like, what? It's crazy. Well, the religious leaders of the day, they saw it too, and they were mad. They were angry. And so they started to go after Jesus and tear him up with their words 
one of the things that they said to Jesus, they said, no wonder you can cast out demons because you get your power from the prince of the demons. Now, if you've ever wondered where that verse comes from about, hey, all the sins that man can commit are forgiven except for the sin of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. If you've ever wondered what that means or where that came from, this is where it came from. Like when blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is when you attribute the work of God to the devil. And that's exactly what these guys did. They said to Jesus, the reason you could do that is because you're getting your power from the devil himself. Woo, you don't want to say that to Jesus. So Jesus kind of corrects them and he starts talking to them and that's not true. A house divided itself against itself can't stand. And he, and he does a bunch of stuff. By the way, Abraham Lincoln didn't say that. It came from Jesus. <laughs> but anyway, uh, he, go, he continues on and then he says this about these Pharisees. He says, you brood of snakes. Now, who was the first snake in the garden? Yeah. In other words, you children of the devil. How could evil men like you speak what is good and Right. How can good words come out of an evil heart? Listen, for whatever is in your, say it with me, your heart comes out of your mouth or determines what you say. Another version says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You see, the truth about our words is that they're really not word problems. If you have a problem with profanity, if you have a problem with accusation, if you have a problem with gossip, if you have a problem with jealous words, if you have a problem, whatever, if you have a problem with, if you hurt people with your words consistently, and you know who you are, you really don't have a word problem. You have a what? You have a, you have a heart problem. Because that's what Jesus said. For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Word problems then are really heart problems. It always tickles me when I hear somebody say something like this. Ah, oh, man, they've said something hurtful, they've said something mean, and then they know they've caused damage, so they try to back up. They try to back up out of it. Like, oh, man, I'm in it. And here's typically what they say. Hey, hey, I, 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 I didn't mean it. You ever heard someone say that? Have you ever said that? Hey, I know I said that. I didn't mean it. Jesus would disagree. For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Jesus would say, no, you said that because that was what was in your heart. And it's ugly. And it was filled with jealousy. And it was filled with insecurity. And it was filled with hate. And it was filled with anger. And that's why you said it. Because you got an infection in your heart. Word problems are heart problems. So if I want to have healthy words, you don't need to focus on the words. Hey, how do you say good things all the time? No, 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 no. Where do you need to focus? You need to focus on the contents of your heart and say, God, I need you to search my heart and I need you to cut the cancers out of hatred and jealousy and insecurity and anger and lust. If you're always talking about sex, if you're always looking at sex videos, if you're always laughing at lustful jokes and your words are gonna be sexual and lustful because you have lust in your heart. See, it's very simple. So if you want to stop talking about that stuff or laughing about that stuff or watching that stuff, you've got to get the lust out of your heart. Yes or no? Whatever's in your heart determines what you say. So I've just been trying to work on my heart. Is it still infected? You better believe it is. Do I still say mean things or hurtful things or make accusations? I do. And I've got to stop. And I've got to ask God to search my heart. The more I exchange all those things for things like love and joy and mercy and compassion, then my words will begin to change. Healthy words come from a healthy heart, yes? 
What else, what else do we need to learn about healthy communication? Healthy communication or good bones communication has to be frequent and it has to be positive. Frequent and positive. Listen, we live in a crazy world that's changing. Have you noticed? It is changing constantly. I mean, you turn the news on and there's another explosion and more chemicals leaking into the sky and water being contaminated and then you flip on another channel and who someone got beat up or jumped or something happened and, you know, the president's paying for the Ukrainian, you know, people's retirement funds. It's crazy out there. Every time you turn the television on, there's some new thing that's like, ah, ah, we're all gonna die. Have you noticed? It's, it's like the world is like, it's like up and down and up and it's always just going and changing and, and tomorrow there's gonna be something new. Today, this afternoon, something new will happen and the gas prices will go up and this will happen and that'll happen. And not only does everything around us change, you change. Your body changes. Some of you feel different today than you felt yesterday. Anybody? You're like, yeah, dude, I got a hangover. <laughs> hey, at least you're in church. At least you're in church. <laughs> How does he know? <laughs> I was at the bar with you. I, I just, just didn't see me. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Okay, get on with it. Let's go. We're going to move. You feel... <laughs> You feel differently today than you did yesterday. Some of you feel different this week than you did last week or this month than you did last month. We're always, our bodies are changing. We're sick, we're healthy. You know, we get the flu and we get over the flu then we get COVID again and we, then we get over that. And it's like we're always changing. Your mood is changing, you know? Some people I just don't like to be around in the morning. I'm not gonna name names. <laughs> it's just changes. You're a different person. You know, I don't know who you are. What happened to you? Well, the night happened, you know. <laughs> People are changing, always changing. My wife's changing, I'm changing, I'm getting older. You know, pain here, pain there, pain over here. It's just everything's changing. And somehow, somehow, this is crazy, somehow we're supposed to maintain our relationships and our friendships and our marriages in the midst of this world that's just moving around. <laughs> internally, externally, internally, externally, always changing. We're up, we're down, we're happy, we're depressed, we're anxious, we're not anxious. Somehow we're supposed to, our friendships are also supposed to stay solid, somehow. How? How in the world are you and I supposed to maintain good marriages, good friendships, Good working relationships with coworkers, teammates, staff members, bosses. How? Here's how. Consistent communication. I wrote it like this in your notes. If a relationship is going to withstand the constant changes of life, and they are constant, two people must maintain communication rituals. Now, I chose that word very carefully, rituals. A ritual is a little bit stronger than a habit. A ritual is something that you do over and over and over again, regardless of how you feel. It's just, it's just part of the day. Ritual. Communication rituals. What does that look like? Well, this isn't a marriage sermon, and I've already said that, but, I, but the key relationship in my life is, is, is my marriage, and it's the one I work on the most. We have very specific communication rituals. I'm gonna work you through them. You can take these ideas, apply it to a relationship with your coach, your teachers, your coworkers, classmates, roommates, whoever. But this is how Jackie and I maintain a really tight relationship in the midst of this is changing and this is changing. Did you hear about this? And now we gotta do this. And did you hear about that? 
in the midst of all the changes, internally, externally, here's how, here's how we do it. First thing in the morning, we do the morning check-in. Pretty much every single day, unless I'm out of town. We wake up, I do my thing, have my quiet time, she does her quiet time before I go to work. We check in. Five minutes? What's the day look like? What's going on? You feeling okay? Great. What's going on at 12? What's going on at 2? Who has to take this person to this practice or this? What's going on? It's the morning check-in. Information flow. It's amazing how many, how many marriages, people I meet, they're not talking about what's going on, so they're missing stuff because they're not communicating about things that are happening. The morning check-in. Then the next thing, the next ritual we have is our 9 o'clock phone call, 9 a.m. phone call. Now, sometimes it happens at 9.30, sometimes it happens at 10, depending on what's going on. Uh, and sometimes we don't get it done at all, but that's because something crazy has happened or there's a meeting and I can't get to, I can't get to my phone. But we check in at 9 o'clock. And we talk about how the morning's going and, and uh, you know, that first conversation, the first meeting or whatever, it's just, a, it's just another touch. It's another touch. It's just a ritual we have. We call it the 9 o'clock phone call. Then we do the evening recap. I go back to work, she goes back to work. We come together for dinner. Sometimes it's 5.30, 6.30, sometimes it's 7.30. We do the evening recap. This is where we talk about the day, what happened at noon or one o'clock or four o'clock. What happened in that meeting? What, what did she say? What did he say? How are we handling that? What do we need to do next? It's the evening recap that happens over dinner and even continues on in the rest of the evening if depending on whose ears are listening. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, and so there's the evening evening recap. Then we do the weekly hangout. The weekly hangout is once a week we have an extended conversation. And for us, in the context of this, it usually involves romance and some fun stuff. Uh, but this is, our, this is our weekly hangout. This is where we have extended time. We're not rushed. We're not checking in. Okay, who's going where and what time is this? But no, no, no. This is how are you feeling? What's going on? Like, what do you want to do? What, what long, maybe make some long-term plans. Maybe we, uh, we're, we're talking about things at a deeper level at the weekly hangout. It's really, really fun. We make that a priority. It's two, three, four hours. Some people call it a date night. That's fine. Call it a date night. Just do it. I don't care what you call it. Somebody, wow, we don't have a babysitter. Uh, it's really expensive to do that. Hey, you know what's more expensive than a babysitter? A divorce lawyer. <laughs> pay the money and pay well. Don't be cheap. <laughs> right? So, and again, I know we're not talking about marriage here, but so you can take some of this stuff and do it with your, your, your roommates and just create these rituals where you're touching base, you're talking about what's going on with your best friends and whoever it is that's in your life. And then we have this last one, the, the quarterly planning. And this is, where, this is where Jack and I will take an extended period of time. I'm talking about two or three days. We just did it last weekend. Pastor Aaron spoke. Jack and I went to the north side. We found a nice hotel up there. And we, we had two or three days just to ourselves where we could talk even deeper about life and our children and plans and this or whatever it is that's going on. In, in, in our world. That's when we make our best decisions. We have time to process stuff together as a married couple. It's so funny. We were at the hotel and, uh, it, it, and, and we're in the elevator and I, Jackie and I run into this other couple and they, you know, I could tell that they're looking at me. And I was like, hi. They're like, oh, Pastor Danny. It's like, yeah, it's good to see you. So we're in the elevator together and they said, this is what they said. We're taking your advice. We're here doing our extended date. I said, so are we. <laughs> what room are you in? Let's hang out. No, I didn't say that. 
I didn't say that. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. <laughs> but I was so encouraged that a, a, a couple from our church, they were actually doing the things that we teach to do in order to, to, to maintain a healthy relationship. And again, I know this isn't a marriage talk, but you could do this stuff with whoever it is, your best friends, your, the people in your life that matter to you. Communication rituals. Not only does the communication need to be frequent, it needs to be positive. Some of you are like, yeah, we talk all the time. We scream at each other. <laughs> we constantly criticize each other. That's the problem. We talk too much. I understand. You got to stop that stuff. You got to get the negativity out, the harsh startups and the, and the criticisms and replace it with encouragement. Listen to what the scriptures teach. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. Worry weighs a person's heart down. So many of us are worried about stuff. Your spouse, your friends, they're worried, they're worried. But an encouraging word cheers the person up. It lifts their spirit. Encouragement. Not too long ago, my wife was telling me about a situation uh, that she was going through and, and uh, she was asking, you know, just kind of processing this with me. And I was just listening. I was really trying hard to do, to do em empathetic listening. And, and my daughter was there and so... I knew some things I wanted to say, but my daughter was there, so I didn't say them. And she's like, well, why aren't you responding? I was like, well, let's talk tonight when Ruby goes to sleep. And so Ruby went to her room, and we're on the couch, and then Jackie said to me, okay, so what do you, what do you think about what I said? And I was like, okay, be careful, be careful. And I had some thoughts. So I said, well, you know, if that were me, here's what I would have done, and I maybe would have said this or maybe acted, you know, maybe, maybe said this or did this. And maybe if you would have done this or that, you know, it would have gone better. And she looked at me and she was gone. Totally gone. Her face, her body language, she sunk down. And she said these words to me. She said, you know, all I really wanted you to do was encourage me. And I was like, oh. because here's how I'm wired. I want to be helpful. I want to add value. I want to solve problems. And here's what you could have done. And here's what I would have done. And I thought she was like going to grab a pen and start taking notes. Like, oh, this is so what next, honey? Like, what would you have said next? Like, oh my gosh, this is so brilliant. Like, <laughs> that's what I think in my head. And it, I'm stupid. I'm stupid. So I blew it. I blew it. Because most people just want encouraged. There's a time to get things right and fix and instruct and all this stuff. But the first one, the first conversation is listening and encouragement. I, I saw a statistic the other day, and this is based on a bunch of research, and Harvard University supported these findings. And they said, if you want to have a healthy relationship, whether it's at work, with a boss, with a coworker, with a spouse, for every one negative thing you say, every criticism... You have, to have, you have to have first said five positive things if you want that one negative thing not to ding the relationship or send it spiraling in the wrong direction. Five to one. You can look it up on the internet. Five to one is the ratio of negative to positive comments. Why? I love what, what uh, George Matthew Adams said. Encouragement is oxygen, oxygen to the soul. They can't breathe without it. I can't breathe without it. I love what Mark Twain said. He said, I can live for two months on a good compliment. It's like, I, it's like I can't even hear the criticism until I've been encouraged with some positive words. 
So what, 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 what am I talking about today? I'm talking about the plumbing in your, in your relationships. What is that? What makes the water flow and gets rid of the waste and makes everything work in the house? It's the communication. And it comes from the heart. Word problems are heart problems. It's got to be frequent and it has to be positive. Based on what I've said today, let me ask you a tough question. How healthy is your communication? Just give yourself a grade. And if it's not good, if you constantly are saying negative things or criticizing or pointing out the faults in others, make, do some hard work on your heart. If, if you've been stonewalling your friends and just ghosting them and not responding because they said something hurtful, just like Michael Jordan is doing to Charles Barkley, come on, come on. Yes, it was hurtful. The words of the reckless, they, they, they pierced like swords. I get it. But you can go back and say, hey, man, that really hurt me, but I don't want to lose the relationship. That's not worth it. I love you. Let's work it out. I forgive you. And by the way, next week, we're talking about forgiveness. The fourth good bones component. You're not going to want to miss that next week. Because if you don't forgive, the relationship gets stuck and starts going backwards. But based on what I've said today, how healthy is your communication? I hope you'll work on it. Now, as we wrap up today, obviously, relationships are key. I've said the health of your relationships really determines your overall quality of life. That's so true. But you know what? We're eternal beings, and we're actually designed to be in a bigger relationship, and that relationship is with God. And many of you are already in a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, but some of you aren't. And I'm not talking about religion or joining a church. I'm talking about having fellowship with God. Like you were designed to walk and talk and live and breathe, go through this life with God, actually indwelling you. Might sound weird, but that's true. In other words, God desires for you to be his daughter, his very son. But in order to become his daughter or his son, you have to have faith in Christ. You see, the, the situation that you and I are born into is very simple. We're born into this world separated from God by sin. Sin blocks us from being in a relationship with him. And that all went back to the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve blew it and we inherited the curse of sin from them. And it, it's just this huge mess. But God remedied that mess by sending Christ to die on a cross to pay for your sin and my sin so that we can have that fellowship with God, so that we can be restored into a relationship with him. And many of you have already done that. And you experience fellowship with God and you communicate with God through prayer and you listen to him speak to you through his word. But some of you haven't tapped into that yet. You say, well, how would I do that? Well, here's, here's what John said, I love it. He says, but to all who believed in him, and that is Jesus, and accepted him, received him as the savior, to those he gave the right to become, say it with me, children of God, sons or daughters of God. Again, I'm not talking about becoming part of a church or joining a religion. I'm talking about being a child of God by faith or through faith in Jesus Christ. God loved you so much that he sent Christ to this earth. And if you would trust in him and believe in him that he died for you on the cross and rose again three days later, we're about to celebrate that on Easter coming up, you can have your sins forgiven and become his child. If you'd like to do that right now, and if you feel a strange sort of tugging on your heart, that's the Spirit of God saying, hey, this moment is yours. Come on, step into this. I've got another kind of life available for you. And take these words I'm about to speak, turn them into your own words, 
reach out to Jesus in faith and ask him to be your savior. This moment is designed for you. Will you pray with me? Just say this to him, dear Jesus. I reach out to you today. My faith is weak, small, but it's real. Not really sure what I'm doing, but I'm asking you for help. Jesus, I believe you died in my place, paid the price for my sin. Please forgive me. Please cleanse my heart. Wash away all my sin. And be my savior. I trust in you. And from this day forward, be my leader, the leader of my life, the guide. Show me the path. Light the way. Teach me to walk with you and talk with you and live with you. And follow your ways. Lead me into eternal life as I trust you. Thank you for dying in my place and being my savior. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, our church wants to celebrate with you at all of our locations, microsites, online. The Bible says when one person does that, there is rejoicing in heaven. So we rejoice with you as well. Before you get out of here, we put together, if you did trust in Christ today, we put together a little saved box. It's sort of a starter kit for you. Uh, there's a Bible in here with a reading plan, some information about our church, small group baptism. And there's also a coffee mug in here to say congratulations if you trusted in Christ today. So if you would text the word SAVE to 65248, we could put one of these in your hands at the information desk at your campus. If you're watching online, give us a little bit more info and we'll send one to you in the mail. One more time, church, can we give God glory? Amen. Before I hand things off to the local teams, if you are struggling in a grudge, if you have bitterness in your heart, if there's someone that you've been hating on, okay, and it's just the way it goes, next week is going to be for you. We're gonna talk about forgiveness. What does it look like to forgive? How to forgive? Because forgiveness is essential for Good Bones relationships, okay? And so you're not gonna to wanna to miss it. Bring somebody with you who's struggling as well with that area. Let's pray and then we'll hand things off to the local teams. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for your word. It guides us, it gives us truth that we need in the area of our life, the key areas, our relationships. It shows us how to communicate. Help us to take what we heard today and practice it, to search our hearts, to fix what's broke inside, to communicate frequently and to communicate in a positive way. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right now, I'm going to hand things off to the local teams. God bless you guys. See you next week. Bring a friend.